This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching, and doggy themes. Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Adrian. You've come to the right place because we are talking all things dog. Yeah, we talk about people that do amazing things for and with dogs, so you can't go anywhere else. Because we've got an exciting program for you today. What's up? I am going to be a movie star. I'm going to be a film festival hit. A blockbuster? Will I win an Oscar? Maybe. Maybe a bone. Is your pooch perfect yet? When is the waiting going to be over? <laughs> All exciting stuff, definitely. But first, you have an odd spot, Adrian. Do, What I is do. it? Now, it's a belated Valentine's Day story. And a woman in South Africa, she lost her diamond ring, her engagement ring. Oh, no. Yeah, but she found it again. And since we are a dog podcast, guess where did you find it? <laughs> On the dog. No, in the dog. <laughs> Her dog, a German short-haired pointer puppy, has swallowed or had swallowed that ring. Don't ask me how, how she found out that he actually had swallowed it. But he did. So that's what, what's been said in the papers. She rushed to the hospital. They did an x-ray. And yes, the puppy had swallowed the diamond ring. Now, how did they get it out again? Uh, the natural way... <laughs> Sort well, I'm not asking you. Actually, I'm telling you the story. <laughs> so the vet gave the dog uh, medicine and the dog had to vomit. And that way it vomited out the object. And the woman shared that whole story and the photos, not of the vomit, but of, of the, of the x-rays. She shared it on Facebook and she got quite a bit of uh, response to that. So one person was saying, very nice of the vet to arrange that the ring came back up and not out of the bottom of the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes, I agree too. Another one was writing, my dog was once very constipated and we found out he ate crayons. A $200 enema and the tech comes out smiling. Most colorful enema I've ever seen. <laughs> so I wonder if the diamond ring has changed color, but obviously not. No, no. Well, maybe there could have been some chemical reaction maybe with the stomach acid. But he has a good taste, that puppy. <laughs> if you do love diamond rings. Dog approved. <laughs> What's your story, Katya? Um, a different kind of a ring, uh -huh. one that's a bit bigger than a normal ring, something that you wear around your dog's neck. A collar. A collar. A collar, correct. Mm. Now, there's a company called Mischief, spelled M-S-C-H-F, and they specialize in releasing products that nobody really needs, <laughs> but everybody wants. So they released a product called the Cus Collar or Curse Collar. What do you think that might be, a Curse Adrian? Collar. Or it could be something uh, when the dog barks. You know that these collars that give you a buzz or when the dog barks. And this one might probably swear at the dog. So F the F the shut up. <laughs> no, shut the F up. <laughs> something like that. That's what precisely what I thought it was. Yeah. That it was some sort of a training collar, but... Eh. No? Wrong. Oh. It actually translates, I'm not sure how scientifically proven and correct it is, 
it uh, basically translates the dog barking into cursing. Ooh. So you'll end up with a swearing dog. Do you want that? <laughs> <laughs> well, precisely this. <laughs> this is it. I, I, well, me personally not, but there seems to be a lot of people who want that because it's sold out. <laughs> so, yeah. Really? Yes. <laughs> is there a version with a sensor in it as well? A sensor as in censored, you know, well, that it goes beep, beep, beep. Beep. <laughs> well, this version not. No. And people were quite happy with the uncensored version. So so if you want to drive your neighbor crazy, <laughs> if you don't achieve it with your dog barking, then just put the collar on and the neighbor has to listen to swear words all day. <laughs> Including the F word. Oh, so, my God. Not on my Christmas list. Katya, I know you are a lover of festivals, especially music festivals. But I do like movie festivals as well. Yeah, in Melbourne, you know, the International Film Festival is something I used to go to regularly. But it is actually a full-time job, so I stopped doing it. <laughs> Have you ever been in Cannes? Oh, that would be nice. On the wish list. Okay, so you haven't. I haven't. Well, neither have I. <laughs> Have you ever been to a, a dog Film festival. No, I haven't. This Neither would... have I. <laughs> so we will go. Yes, we will go because it does exist. It's called Top Dog Film Festival. What a coincidence with the name. Yeah. And we can talk to the festival director. Her name is Jemima. She's on the phone and we say. Could you tell us a little bit about the screening? What kind Absolutely. of movies do you screen? You look, it is a collection of short films, so predominantly independent films from all over the globe about dogs. What more do you need? Uh, but it is really about sort of the relationship that dogs have with their humans and the impact that they have on our lives. And they're predominantly documentary, but they are the odd narrative or short film or sometimes an animation. And the whole evening should take you on a bit of a journey. So there'll be highs and lows, no dogs die, we promise you that. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's a journey into that world of dogs. And, you know, dogs are like people. So they have lives that are really diverse and disparate, just like people all around the world. So we could get insights into all the different dogs around the globe and how they live their lives and their humans that live with them. So. Now, you were saying you have uh, more documentary-style movies. I would have thought... It is the other way around. No, look, I guess the films that are made about dogs are predominantly, you know, speech films and their um, narratives and, and their sort of made-up stories. But And they're the longer films. But for us, we want to sort of show, you know, the different lives of dogs. And so there's lots of documentaries out there that sort of document what dogs do on a day-to-day -day basis and how they impact people's lives, what jobs dogs have. And so they're the kind of the stories that we want to bring to people and just give people a different insight into the dogs that they may not necessarily already know about. So if the dog is up for a career move or something, then... <laughs> I'm at the festival. But it's fascinating. It's so fascinating to find out, you know about guard dogs and you know about security dogs, but, you know, not everybody knows that there are dogs that sniff out koala poo and help saving koala populations or there's a real estate dog from Brisbane, for example, who knew. So there's lots of interesting things that dogs do that not a lot of people know about. So what's the real estate dog. dog's duty? Well, well, think about it, Katja. If you are renting a home and 
you've got a dog or a couple of dogs. How do you know that the rental property is dog friendly? You don't until you get there or you call the real estate agent. So very clever real estate agent in Brisbane who found herself in that situation. She was looking for a new home for her family and, you know, one of her family members just happened to be a dog. And she just wasted all this time going and having a look at properties that were not appropriate for Tiffany, her dog. They weren't secure for the dog or they wouldn't allow dogs. So when she became a real estate agent, she thought, right, I'm going to make it easy for dog lovers like myself. And so any home that was accommodating to dogs, she would have Tiffany in the photos the open rates and the open house turn-ups of Tiffany's photos went through the roof. And so it just made it really easy for people who are looking for homes that were already dog-friendly or for renters looking for dog-friendly homes. So that's Tiffany's job. She's a, she's a model. So you get a, like a certificate or a dog-proof <laughs> rating for this rental property. <laughs> well, you know, Tiffany is very diverse. So some of the photos, she may be on a lilo in the pool because Tiffany does it in Brisbane. Or she could be on the bed, which is her favourite, or on the couch. You know, so she's all outside near the fence. So, you know, Tiffany takes her job seriously and does show you the attributes of the house. She's not a one-trick pony. Yeah, there we go. It's a great job, I have to say. And that reminds me of uh, the dog dating app that we interviewed this person in America. She has developed a dating app for dog lovers so that actually dog lovers find each other. You know, because her sister, her sister, it could had, be a deal breaker. Yeah, that as well. But her sister had a boyfriend pretending he loves dogs. He loved her dog for a year, and then he couldn't stand it any longer, and he wanted to kick the dog out, so she kicked him out. And they <laughs> developed this app that next time she'll find someone who actually does oh. love dogs. I love it. I need uh, to talk about her. But now she hasn't got time to, to have a relationship because the app keeps her very, very busy. We need to send a documentary <laughs> team over there to document yeah. the whole That's process. Right. That's right. But let's go, let's go back to your film festival, Jemima. Oh. I, I think it's a, it's a very risky idea to... Um, set up a dog film, a top dog film festival, because I know there are lots of dog lovers around in this world, but how does it, how do people respond? Or I mean, it's you're in your fourth year now, so obviously it's a success. Look, people and dogs are very, very diverse, so we get many different diverse reactions, but on a whole, people are just so happy that they get to see these films. A lot of the films you would never otherwise see, but the film festival, and I guess, you know, same as with this podcast, is while the topic is dogs, it really is a bringing together of a dog-loving community. And I think that's what people like about the screening. People's favourite films varies, what they want to see dogs in films doing varies, but I think what they all agree on is that, you know, being in a room of, say, 800 people when we're at the Melbourne Astor, who are all dog lovers, who are all committed to their futures and can really understand that amazing bond that they have with their pets and, you know, the joy that they bring in their lives. I think that's the thing that people really love most about it, to be honest. And you were mentioning before about um, an Australian movie, but it's an international festival. You take submissions from all around the world? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we started in Australia four years ago and, you know, at the time really was hard to get Australian films, so a lot of them were international, So, but we are really hoping to change that, so having more Australian content in there and showcasing more of the dogs around Australia and New Zealand, and in the last two years, we really feel like we've been able to change that and have a lot more local films, but the festival now has also grown, so not only do we screen in Australia, we're screening internationally in New Zealand and the UK and Germany, Switzerland and Austria and the US this year. So we also want to show those stories of Australian dogs all around the country. We're pretty proud of them. So, so any filmmakers out there, 
Yeah. Send us your films. <laughs> what, what is what is your criteria? Can I, as a hobby filmer, send in my documentary, or does it have to have a sort of a high production value? Basically, it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. So every film kind of joins together to make like the whole night of entertainment. So we want short and long films. What is king is the content. So if you've got a great story or a great dog or a great idea, that's going to be much more important than amazing slick high production. Because, you know, amazing high production skills and a really boring story, that's not really going to work for us either. So it's all really about the story. And so if you don't, say, have a big budget or a whole lot of expertise, keep the film short, keep it concise, tell your story, and you've got just as much of a chance. So we have everything. We've had student documentaries in the past, independent filmmakers. Every now and then there's a big sort of glossy production, but it's varied. And I think that's what people like about it as well. I have a great idea, maybe a questionable production value, uh, <laughs> a film about us, Katya, <laughs> I our podcast. <laughs> you could but, say Poupette and Baba instead of us in the studio. Yes, <laughs> not much will come out of their mouths. Anyway, but uh, Jemima, is the film festival happening uh, overseas as well, in other countries, not only in Australia? Yeah, it is. So we've just... Um, we've been in New Zealand for the last two years at the UK for the last year and then this year we're also screening in the US and Switzerland, Germany and Austria and we'll see where else we end up so. oh, okay. How difficult or easy is it to set up a film festival in Australia and in countries overseas? Yeah, look at Australia, it's, it's not too hard I mean, the hardest thing with this film festival because there's no other touring dog film festival in the world that we're aware of. There are some in the UK that are sort of one, sorry, in the US that are one-offs. And so the hardest part is really getting the films and getting the great films and putting them together. And then once you've got the film, the rest falls into place. And then, so we do the tour in Australia and then we work with partners locally in the other countries to bring it to their audiences. All right, all the filmmakers out there have a good idea, have a cute dog, have a, mm -hmm. a good camera and so how do they submit the movies? Topdogfilmfestival.com.au and then click on the tab, says enter your film. Simple as that. And there it just tells you, you know, what we're looking for and the maximum lengths and how to get it to us. And then um, we review those and get back to all the filmmakers and put the program together. All right, that sounds really easy. Now, there yeah. is a big event happening at the end of month, uh, Saturday the yes. 29th of February in Australia in four major cities. That's Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth and Sydney. What is it? It's the leap year celebration, of course, of the Top Dog Film Festival. It's the best of the last three years of films. Um, and the beautiful thing about this one is it's outdoor at the Moonlight Cinema and you can bring your furry friends with you. So how awesome is that thing? <laughs> nice. Dog films with the dogs there. So it's going to be quite the fun night. So it's one for the whole family. That's great. So the dogs can actually watch the movie too because there will be lots of dogs in the movies, in the short movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have sort of a celebrity dog at some of the screenings that we've had in cinemas in the past. And the dogs are normally really great, but you know what the trigger is? A squeaky toy. If Squeak there's ever ah. a squeaky toy in one of the films that a dog is playing with, yeah. all the dogs instantly up and... <laughs> That's, yeah. So now we know the secret so. ingredient to get the dog's attention in the movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, now, one last question. Shall yeah. I ask a last question? What made you choose the name Top Dog Film Festival? Well, it is just 
so brilliant, isn't it? It just says it all. Yes. It rolls up your tongue, chopped yes, up. I agree. Know, and I think we agree. It just, it, just, it, just, it just says everything we want to say. Yeah, we agree. And, no, it's <laughs> every, every dog really don't, is a dog. Don't say more. Don't say more. We know. Now, Jemima, many, many thanks for your time, and we wish oh, you all the best. Goodness. For the oh, next so much, big event on Saturday, the 29th of February in Australia, in Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth and Sydney. The big, big festival with dogs, for dogs. And uh, next year, all the best and we hope you have lots and lots of submissions. Thank you so much, Adrian Ketcher. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Jemima. You. Bye-bye. Bye. What a fun person she is, Jemima. And it seems to be fun work, what she's doing organising a film festival, international film festival. With all things dogs, well, yeah. as it's fun to do a podcast, all dogs. <laughs> Let's uh, mention her website again. That's www.topdogfilmfestival.com.au and Top Dog Film Festival is one word. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, we'll be there too. And let's hope it's going to be a perfect film festival again, as perfect as Pooch Perfect by Rebel Wilson, remember? Yes. And we actually have a date for that? I'm not sure. Well, I was looking up the TV guide. I couldn't find anything. But let's ask Rachel Fanuki. She is a dog groomer for the groom room in Benalla. That's some country town in Victoria. She's on the phone as well. Rachel, have you got any news for us? Well, What's happening? Do you know when the show is actually finally being aired? On the 27th, which is Thursday week. Wow, that's great. So we, we have you, a date. Yeah. Are you relieved? Oh, yes, you've got no <laughs> idea. Me and my groomer friends, we're all going to be really just glued onto the show. I can imagine. Have you got any? Have you heard anything? Anything that maybe happened before the show is going to happen? Or I haven't heard anything, but there's a lot of chatter amongst other groomers, and everybody's got their um, own dogs up on uh, Facebook and saying, "Oh, look, you know, look, my poodle and I will love to watch this." And people have got carry terriers and all fully groomed and everybody is so excited to have our industry in the limelight is very exciting yeah because it's sort of a bit of a, a wallflower aren't you when people hear dog grooming they sort of shrug their shoulders or have a bit of a smirk on their face why do you think yeah, is they, that? and some cringe and go oh my god why would you do that but uh, it's important if you're going to be that close with an animal You need to keep them clean and tidy and everything else. Well, I think us as humans also feel good when we have a good haircut. <laughs> yes, and, and, and yeah. it's important, you know. I think we have a better relationship with our dogs than we did, say, even 20 years ago. I can remember last time you said uh, when the, the keeper or the, the owner of the dog is happy after the dog has been groomed, that makes the dog happy as well. And I do understand yes. that, but... Many dogs do not like to sit there and being being sort of, you know, touched on and, and pampered and, and cut hair and washed and more. And isn't that a cruel moment for dogs? Oh, that's not, not necessarily cruel. I mean, what we're going to be seeing on the show is very high-skill grooming. 
A lot of the grooming that most groomers do is for maintenance on dogs. So if their hair is matted um, and it's the height of summer and you've got a two-inch thick matted coat, the dog will not survive summer. I promise you they die of heat exhaustion. So a lot of the grooming that, that gets done is for the care of the dog. And it doesn't matter whether... Well, it does matter that it's cruel or not, but we're not cruel with the dogs. Yeah, I understand that you're not cruel, but my dog, as an example, hates water. And whenever I want to bathe it, it just screams the whole neighbourhood down. <laughs> yes, we have, a, <laughs> we have a few of those. Uh, I actually own a high-stress dog myself, and when I groom him, it sounds like I'm killing him. <laughs> and I swear to you, I am not... Uh, where I work, there's an open window and anybody can see everything that I do. But he screams. <laughs> you should soundproof uh, your studio. <laughs> well, I have to admit that as a child, I hated to go to the hairdresser myself because of sitting there, yes. I, I was bored, you know. My hairdresser was a smoker, so I was covered in smoke, in cigarette smoke. <laughs> Back then yuck. it was not, it was not nothing bad. Compared to today. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to the show, Pooch Perfect. Do you follow their Twitter account? Not the Twitter. I follow the Facebook page. Um, the groomers they've got mainly from New South Wales. Not that it matters where they're from, but I think that it's so good to see the level of skill and hopefully people will see the skill that's involved. They're beautiful groomers and what they produce is beautiful. Many of our competitions are, uh, well, they're invisible. People don't see them. So we actually do have a lot of competitions. That means Thursday in a week. That's Thursday the 27th? 27th, yes. Of February will be yeah. the big opening of Pooch Perfect with oh. Rebel Wilson. That means Rebel that Wilson. We, in our next podcast, in our next episode, we will talk to you again, Rachel, and you can tell yes. us all about what went wrong, what was fantastic, what was ridiculous, and what was heartwarming. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm quite sure it's going to be absolutely lovely. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy his, her uh, Griffon, her br Brussels Griffon, uh, beautiful little dog. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, anything gets done to yeah. Russell by the end of the program. Right, oh, so, so that was actually, you were trying to say the name of the dog. <laughs> the, dog the dog's name is Russell. Yeah. And he's a Brussels Griffon. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So, um, <laughs> a type of little dog. And he's very untidy, so it'd be great to see if they do anything with him. Okay, I have But, a bit um, of gossip actually for the next for the first episode. The Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran will appear. Oh, really? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, no, I mean they will not appear, but their impersonator will appear. So oh. they're two dogs. One is called Justin Bieber, the other one Ed Sheeran. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a, there's a few wild animals in it too. There's mm. a bison. A bison? <laughs> there's a bison. And okay. a few other animals. Yes, there's a, a wild okay. fox. There's yeah. a few animals, impersonators. So ah, it's okay. wonderful, okay. wonderful to see. <laughs> right. We'll talk to you next time, Rachel. All right. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank, Thank you, Katya. Wow. Are you going to watch Katya, the show? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Why did I even ask? <laughs> <laughs> But since we are talking about dog grooming, I have another story about dog grooming. Not every dog loves it. 
I don't like going to the hairdresser. Well, that's what we said um, in the talk with Rachel as well. And I know another dog, Coco, is her name, I think. Or is it a he? We'll find out because Xenia, she's not really the owner of Coco. It's her mother who actually looks looks after the dog. But she told us the story about Coco who hates to go to the dog groomer. And that's our My Top Dog of the Week. Yeah, um, the story is about Coco and my mom. Coco is a European sheepdog. She is sort of white, beige, furry, and has a lot of a lot of it. A very furry, big dog, and um, she loves going for walks. And she's very fortunate that my mom inherited her from my sister. And my mom is retired, so she makes a point of t- walking her every morning for one hour after her breakfast. Also after my mom's breakfast, they go for an hour walk. <laughs> mom has breakfast late. Coco is not happy. <laughs> So usually at 9 o'clock they hit the road. Um, in winter perhaps 10, just in case it's a bit cold. And in summer perhaps 8. But after breakfast, mom does not leave the house before breakfast. And so in the afternoon, around 4 or 5 o'clock, they have another hour of a walk. And after that she gets fed. So she is well walked. And she loves it. And where my mom lives, they have a lot of fog in the spring and autumn. So she often takes her up in the car and drives up the mountains above the fog level and goes for the walk up in the mountains. It's the Black Forest area, and she loves it. Black Forest area, that's in Germany, isn't it? Yes, it's in Germany, yes, in the south of Germany, in Baden. Mm -hmm. The countryside is called Baden, or the the state is Baden-Württemberg, but the country is Baden. So my mom loves doing this, and the dog is very accustomed to go in the car and be driven around. But then, when it's spring, and mom wants to take her to the groomer to get Coco to have her hair cut so she doesn't suffer the heat, this car and getting Coco into the car is impossible. We're going a bit over the top here, suffering from heat in Germany. Is that possible? Oh, yes, (laughs) yes. I mean, you have to know that the Oberrheingraben, which is the area where my mom lives, is the warmest area in Germany. Even when the weather report says 28, it is 32. It's always four degrees warmer than on the national weather report because it's a microclimate. Mm. So they do have 40 degrees and no air conditioning, by the way. So that's when the family lives in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so they do have heat. So mom believes that a a sheepdog living in the house and in a domesticated environment needs to have a haircut. I think sheepcoats are not designed to have a haircut. So Coco hates going to the groomer. And she seems to know that this trip is going to the groomer and not up into the forest for a nice pleasant walk. And I think it has a little bit to do with my mom getting dressed in city mode he high heels and not walking shoes and taking the handbag which goes to the bank and uh, doing all the things you do when you go to town rather than going up to the mountain and mum would think that's not the case but I think Coco is very smart and she just knows that when mum is dressed in high heels and wants her to go in the car <laughs> that's the time when it goes to the groomers <laughs> So how does she get her in a the car then in the end? She has to really pull her in. Like, I mean, she's a big dog, so she is too heavy for my mom to lift her. But she basically has to force her to jump into the boot and be very 
firm with her. I sometimes even put the leash on and pull her up. <laughs> and so, so it's not pretty, but she manages. Okay, and okay. so when I was visiting, mom told me, oh, fantastic. You are here. So it's much easier to get her to the groomer. We do this together. So you can just stop the car in front of the hairdressing salon and I can just take her out straight in and you keep driving. And then when we did this, we noticed that there's no way you could stop the car in front of the hairdressing saloon because it's a high, high traffic area and there's no stop. And so we still had to go to the car park, which mom was very unhappy about, which is on the other side of the road. And she had to take Coco out of the car. And I couldn't find a car park in this car park. So I was basically keep driving around the block and there I saw my mom pulling this poor dog across the pedestrian walk and she put all four legs against the direction they had to walk I mean she was not walking she was dragged over the road mm. <laughs> it was not a pretty sight <laughs> how does she survive the actual grooming Well, I think once she's in there, she knows it's a one-way door and no return. So she seems to submit to whatever happens to her. And when we picked her up, you won't believe it. She was like a little princess, like tiptoeing, having the tail wagged and being like, look at me, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> so she loves the look, but not the work. That's <laughs> true. And I think as many women can rely to that one. <laughs> So the dog grooming experience wasn't so bad after all. Obviously not. No. The dog loves looking beautiful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty has to suffer. And now to another regular segment. Now is the time for chapter number four of our audio book, Pirate the Barking Kookaburra. And are the other animals still guessing? Yes, they're still guessing where he comes from because he's lost his memory. So the dogs decided, let's go and find that memory. And uh, Stelzi had the idea that they'd take him on a walk through Tantrabu, that's where they live, and any tree or rock or creek they will come across, he might recognize it and that may trigger his memory. So they go on on that journey or adventure. Their walk took them to the many secret places in the valley of Tantrabu. At the western end, they came across the hollow gum tree. A fire had gone through the area many years ago. The tree withstood the flames, but its core burnt out completely. Now it was hollow. A gap led inside the tree, where it offered enough room for three dogs and a cat. We call it the cave, Stelzer said to Pirate. Do you recognize it? A cave? There must be treasure in there. 
Hoover looked at him in surprise. There is no treasure in there. There certainly is. Every cave has a treasure. Let's go on a treasure hunt. He disappeared through the gap. Oh, he doesn't recognise it. He obviously didn't come through here when he got lost. I didn't know there was a treasure in there. I wonder what kind of treasure it could be. A big fat bone for sure, said Ajax, wagging his tail. Hoover pricked his ears. Saliva was dribbling out of his mouth. Let's go and find it. Both squeezed themselves through the gap, disappearing too into the cave. Wait for me. Steltzer called and rushed through the gap as well. Buddha stayed back. He shook his head. Bloomin' dogs. They hear bone and instantly lose their mind. Inside the cave it was dark. Pirate couldn't see much, but he clearly heard the dogs sniffing around. Pirates of Ast, find the treasure. That's an order. Aye, aye, Captain, said Hoover, bumping into Ajax. Get your nose away from my bottom. I can't smell a bone. I don't think there's one in here. I found it. I found the treasure. Yo, ho, ho. The dogs chuckled as they saw the crooked twig pirate had picked up from the dusty ground. It's a sword. It's made of gold and silver. Wow. It's the most beautiful sword I've ever seen. Oh, it must have belonged to a king once. Now it's mine. Pirates of Ast, look over there. It's Captain Crook from the ghost ship. He's attacking us. He's after the sword. Everybody, take their weapons. Fight for your life. The dogs had given up their hopes of finding a bone. Steltzer danced on her hind legs, wrestling one of Captain Crook's bloodthirsty buccaneers. Ajax bit them in the legs and made them fall over. Hoover had picked up a stick himself and swung it around, hitting the buccaneers' heads. Take this, take that, and this, and that. Pirate was the bravest. He fought Captain Crook, piercing the gold and silver sword straight into his heart. But Captain Crook did not cringe. He still stood on his legs with a dirty smirk on his face. He's not dying. He is pirate ghosts. They are invincible. Ah, the darkness is their protector. Ajax suggested it would be best to lure them outside. The sunlight will kill them. Follow me, said Pirate. He was just about to jump through the gap when all of a sudden a hollow voice from above shouted. Everybody froze. What was that? A ghost? I can't smell anybody. It's impossible to smell ghosts. They don't reek because they're dead. It's me, Captain Everybody was now screaming. Pirate dropped his twig and hid between Steltzer's legs. Hoover pushed himself under Steltzer, trying to hide too. 
and Ajax jumped on top of Hoover, at the same time squeezing himself under Steltzer's belly. Only Steltzer had no one she could hide under. She was shaking with fear. I want my He's a real ghost. What do we do now? Someone has to give him back the sword. Not me. Just kick me the broken sword, please. Hang on. I think I know that chuckle. It's Buddha. <laughs> he played a trick on us. Buddha was rolling on the ground with laughter as Pirate and the dogs came out of the tree. Pirate hopped onto his belly, shrieking and peeping. I was so scared. That was so funny. I had the best time in my life, mate. After everybody else had a good belly laugh, Steltzer suggested walking on to the next secret place. After all, they were on a mission. They wanted to find out where Pirate came from. Pirate grabbed the stick. He did not want to leave it behind. It was his treasure. And so they marched on. This was chapter four of Pirate the Barking Kookaburra. Yes, ah! nearly. Kookaburra. Kookaburra. This yeah. is my top dog challenge. Kuka, yeah. Kookaburra. Kookaburra. It, it is Kookaburra hotspot challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to hear the whole story, if you don't want to wait for another two weeks for, the, for chapter five, you can uh, listen to the whole story on the website bubenberg.com. Just find your way through. You'll find the link where you can download the audio file for a bit, little bit of money. Now we reached the end of our show. As always. <laughs> I'm very sad about it. Yeah? Mm, yes. So if you have the same feeling, uh, you could uh, listen to us online. You can email us, if you like, at woofwoof at topdoc.space. You could like us. On Facebook? Yeah, well, of course you can like us. But if you do like us, please leave a comment because that will alert others that we do exist. And again, our website is called topdog.space. And there you find all the episodes so far. How many? 20, I think we have already. Time flies. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'm Adrian and I say goodbye, say hello to your giraffe. <laughs> I'm Katya and I'm going to stick to say hello to your dog from me. You said your mum. I can also say hello to your mum, yes. Yeah, or your, your dog mum. <laughs> Adopted mum. Adopted mum or doctor mum. Dr. Giraffe. 